right center, Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net. Barkov between the legs. Unbelievable. Did you just do that, Alexander Barkov? The Panthers are back on top. Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, Noah? I'm good. How about you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, It's been a good week for Panthers fans. We finally know who our new general manager is going to be. Bill Zito, former AGM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they, they went with the best, best available candidate date um not that the others weren't qualified or good but um i just think that bill can bring a lot of experience and um he he's ready for the job he's ready for a gm job too yeah absolutely and we're going to get into that more later we have two amazing guests on the show today uh first up we have frank who does the columbus blue jackets podcast on the hockey podcast network uh he does an amazing job over there. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, I recommend going out to check out his podcast. Uh, it's fantastic. So we'll have him on to talk more about Bill Zito. And then after, we also have Jacob Barker, who we've had on before, who is now a regional scout uh, for Dauber Prospects. So we'll get him on uh, and we'll talk more about the Panthers off season, about the draft coming up. So uh, really great show we got today. But yeah, we'll start off uh, with uh, our interview with Frank. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I thought you guys might want to, as somebody who's been watching my our team, my, the Blue Jackets real close the last few years, it might be instructive to know what, the, you know, how our front office run a little bit and that, because that seems to be Zito's background in, in doing this. So, yeah, I mean, we were both pretty excited when we found out it was going to be. Zito is the new GM because I mean you know based on some of the other names out there I think it was a good call yeah well, well uh, when I heard Chiarelli I was just like wow I, I hope those guys don't have to go down that road yeah like I used to be an Oilers fan so I, I know for sure what, what Peter <laughs> Chiarelli can do to a team and it, it's not great um, but yeah really really excited about the, the Zito hire I mean Columbus is like such a good team like they're so like well respected for the way they play and so just having someone from that team like that's awesome yeah Um, maybe he can like i don't know tell bobrovsky whatever needs to be told for him to rebound because we can't really have another bad bobrovsky season (laughs) yeah not on that contract yeah that 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 contract's gonna be a problem for a while i it just yeah it was it wasn't great. <laughs> no, there's, worked out good for Columbus. To be said. Yeah, there's something to be said. Columbus has built defenses that helped goalies be what they could be. So, yeah. So, well, I mean, hopefully Bobrovsky can turn it around, but I don't know. Not not with Florida's defense for sure right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like what can, what can you tell us about Bill Zito for for people that don't know much about him? Uh, I mean, he's a guy who was an agent 
uh, that's how he started his career. He was a, he represented players. He wanted to get into being, uh, wanted to get into the, the management side of a hockey team. And so when he first joined in Columbus, most of what he did was contract negotiations. Um, during that time, there was always an understanding in the organization that he wanted to be a GM somewhere. So he was just a part of a lot of the, uh, I mean, between contract negotiations, but also how you do things like how you organize scouts, how you run a scouting staff, how you organize a draft, all of that kind of stuff, how to have a, how to have things set up. Um, I mean, at this point you're now seeing, you know, it's, he learned that from Yarmo Kekalainen, where Yarmo Kekalainen was strongly under John Davidson's tutelage when they were in St. Louis. So what you're going to be getting out of Bill Zito is a guy who he's probably going to be not as strong on the talent evaluation side, but that's because his plan, if he does, if he runs things the way the blue jackets have been doing it, or he's running it, how he's been taught from what I understand, it's going to be a lot of building up the scouts around you and then trusting what they say. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean the, the number one example of, of the, how the blue jackets front office is run is the, um, uh, it was the 2015 draft, the one that was the Matthews line a draft and everybody assumed it was going to be Pugliarvi at three and the blue jackets went obviously with Pierre-Luc Dubois, which at this point now looks great. Yeah. It, it was and now looking back at it, it's, you know, you would, you wouldn't have done anything else. Uh, but, but it, Yarmo talked about that decision and he said, you know, well, our scouts, we compiled all the, all the reports and that's who was on our board. So that's who we took at three. Um, it's a. It, I would expect you what you would expect to see is a disciplined front office in a lot of ways. Um, they're not going to be handing out big contracts left and right unless they really believe in the player. Or there's, I, I mean, that was at least one of the things in Columbus. There's been a lot. Maybe that changes with ownership in Florida being different. I don't know, but being disciplined about that cap space is something Columbus has been pretty good about. Yeah, I think that's something definitely Florida could benefit from. I mean, with, with some of the contracts they have right now, uh, to be able to evaluate guys properly uh, and get the right players in there. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we watched his, uh, his introductory press conference, and kind of the takeaways we got was that he seems really hardworking, really dedicated, uh, well thought out, uses analytics, uh, properly it seems uh and i think that's really evident in the way you know columbus has been built and his part in that uh with the players they have in there the systems they run uh so definitely a welcome change in florida i mean i think yeah i think everyone's excited by this well and something that's that's part of the columbus front office that i would expect him to take with him is that in Columbus, our analytics guy, uh, as far as kind of the voice of that in the front office, is a, is a man by the name of Josh Flynn. And so, I mean, there's a lot of what we call analytics throughout their talent evaluations. But another part of it is um, he's been watching as Yarmo Kekalainen has these pretty much daily conversations with John Tortorella, and they almost daily have reports that is trying to turn analytics into 
what it means on the ice, what it coaches to, those types of things. And it's funny because we've seen over the last couple of years, John Tortorella coming along in analytics and being like, oh yeah, no, these things are important. These things are good. So they, it's trying to pair it out in the coaching there as well. And I think having seen Yarmo and himself having to deal with a strong coach like John Tortorella, um, I, I heard it, I think it was Allison Luke and bring up this point about it. Now that he's going to be dealing with a big name coach like Joel Quenville, that's kind of a, a, a nice, he's, he's had to de- deal with a big high profile coach. Yeah, who exactly. might feel like they've already known everything, but he, he's dealt with that, pro- that, uh, that situation already. So yeah, I, what you'd be expecting to see depending on who's already in Florida's front office I mean, you might be seeing some changes around there as far as assistant GMs and little side people and that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. It depends on who he's already got. I'm sure right now he's in that process of evaluating who he already has there. I know that Florida has gone all over the place. At one point they were the computer boys and then they went to Dale, Dale Talon. And now it looks like it's, it's kind of going to that middle road now of, okay, somebody who's got a hockey pedigree to an extent and then also has a, you know, their, their toe in the water, as it's, so to speak, on analytics. So it ha- depending on how many of the guys are left over from the, uh, the computer boys era, a-, a lot of them might find a place, will probably, would probably still find a place in this, in this front office. Yeah, like I, I, don't, I don't expect we'll see like anything immediate, obviously a lot of evaluating who he's got and I'm sure he's going to want to bring in some of his own guys. Uh, that he knows and trusts. Um, but yeah, like you said, just finding that that balance. And like Florida, when we had like, you know, the computer boys, they had all these analytics, but they didn't necessarily maybe utilize them the best. So finding the best way to implement them day to day with the coach, I think it's going to be uh, really great for this team, especially with the, the flat cap uh, for the next couple of years here. That yeah, That's going to be tricky. Um the one thing Florida fans might want to watch out for, and I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see if this continues because with Zito being our, our chief negotiator for the most part, these last few years, we've had a couple of contentious negotiations. Um, we had one with Ryan Johansson. We had the Sergey right. Dombrowski one when he signed his contract before he left uh, the, the first one there. And then um, there has been this one with Josh Anderson as well. Right. Now, maybe that's Yarmo's style of stuff, and that's just le- bleeding over. Maybe it's Zito. I don't know what's causing it. Um, and Yarmo has this sense when he does stuff of, I'm going to offer a fair deal, and then there'll be a little bit of back and forth, where some people want to you know, either go you know, really go high on their first offer or really go low. That's not how Yarmo plays it. So I don't know what Zito will do there, but I – I would think he might go something similar to what Yarmo has, where it's just, we just make a fair offer and we don't budge much off of it, but it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to a couple of tells if in Columbus, if all of a sudden the Josh Anderson contract happens quickly, then maybe yeah. that tells me that Zito was the hardball negotiator. If it's not, then, you know, if it's the it same like thing, it's then maybe it's just an organizational thing for Columbus and how they handle it. But yeah, and, and Florida's got, you know, two big UFAs and Dadnov and Hoffman, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how those negotiations go, if, if they even negotiate with both of them. We'll kind of just have to, to wait and see. Um, but Noah, Noah, you want to add anything? Yeah, so in the in, at season uh, 2019, 
Um, at the trade deadline, we saw Columbus pretty much just shell out for some big names, uh, Matt Duchesne, uh, pretty much. Um, and then you had the Panarin um, trying to keep him. But do you see Bill Zito as a guy who would not be afraid to make those trades if he really thinks that his team has a shot that year? Or is he more of a conservative guy? And that was more Yarmo's uh, side of things. Uh, I think, I mean, I, it, it's tough to pull them apart. The, this front office very much, Yarmo, is about it being a team thing. Um, he wants to use all the knowledge around him. So I'm sure Zito is in part of that. But but that, that front office has shown no qualms about if they think it's the time to make a big deal, they'll do it. Um, where Florida's at now, will they do that? I don't know. Because uh, it's... Florida's in this strange place in my mind where you've got some really good young talent, but then you've got a couple of guys on big deals. And I'm, I'm not sure what the farm system looks like down there. I mean, if you've got some good young guys coming up or if it's, if, if it's a little more bare. There's a few guys. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's one of the more like one of the richer prospect pools in the NHL. Definitely not. But there, there's a few guys, um, notably Owen Tippett that should graduate next year and, get a full-time spot on the on the NHL roster but um, it's definitely going to be interesting for him to kind of see how he plays with that because Columbus has some really really good young guys that I mean especially some that nobody really like saw coming I'm really thinking of uh, Texier that just kind of showed up last year and has been there ever since Um, I I don't know what Bill Zito's uh, kind of uh, what he's going to want to do given the fact that just I assume Florida's prospect pool is not as strong as Columbus's. So that's going to be interesting. He, yeah. What I would say is you do with Bill Zito. One of the good things you're going to get is it's a guy who's going to be creative about things. If he needs to be um, a move that was underrated at the time and was, and, and I mean, the, what is, what eventually happened? It was, just bad all around. But if you remember when Columbus signed Nathan Horton a few years back, Nathan Horton signed, he was this big free agent get. Then he's got the degenerate back condition because of goofiness around insuring contracts. Columbus was still essentially paying his full contract while he was hurt. Um, They then made that crazy deal with uh, Toronto to send him for David Clarkson to get another player that, that, you know, it wasn't working out there, but the cap hit was pretty much a trade-off. So Columbus at least got a player with that money. Um, and then Clarkson had his issue. It was almost the exact same thing Horton had. But it was just a, a situation of, okay, we've only got X amount of dollars to spend. We should at least have somebody we can put on the ice for that amount of money. Um, so I, I expect him to do creative things if he needs to. I, I would be... As a Florida fan, I'd be very happy with this choice because it's it's a guy who has seen that you can do well by taking those big swings. Um, and, and I would expect him to at some point. If he thinks there's going to be a big trade to make his team better, I expect him to do it. So, Yeah, and I, I think he has a lot of work to do, especially on defense. Um, Mike Matheson is no – you know, wouldn't even make the roster in Columbus, I don't think. Um there's a lot of work to be done there. Uh, I think there's also a 
backup goalie situation that's kind of tricky is to, to, does he stick with Drieger or does he try and find another uh, another guy out there? But it's definitely going to be interesting to see how he's going to choose to run uh, the team. And he has a fairly high draft pick this year, um, which it's going to be, it's a very, very nice draft. Uh, going to be interesting to see if he goes forward or D. Um, I think it's pretty much safe to say he's not going to be getting Askarov because that just doesn't make sense for Florida. But in if if what you say is true, he's going to be leaning on whoever he gets in terms of scouts to really point him in the right direction for that draft. And and they will if he's if he's following what it looks like this kind of team approach to being a front office. Also, always expect them to go just best player available. Yeah, which I think um, I, I don't. You know, they normally won't take into account in Columbus. They almost never take into account. Huh? Oh, yeah. Sorry. They almost never take into account. You're fine. Uh, they almost never take into account. Oh, we need forward. We need D. We need this. It's just who's the best because the view for a long time in Columbus has been they're all assets. They're all you know at a, at a draft pick stage. You're picking a guy who's probably not playing in a year or two anyway. I mean, if yeah. you're in that top you know three four picks where you're going to get a a guy who's stepping right in, that's a different story. But yeah, I think they'll just be going with whoever's whoever they think is the best available guy and. Again, part of that may change over time depending on who he's got, how because it, it's going to be a quick turnaround for him now because he got hired just this week. And what we're looking, I think they, the draft is going to be really early October at this point. So it's going to be a quick turnaround. So this draft may not be a great example of what he's going to be going forward because if he doesn't have his people in yet or his systems on how he wants to do stuff, it's going to be it, it'll be a little different, but. But it'll be interesting to see what happens down there. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be rooting for him. That's for sure. Right, and um, definitely, it's gonna, t- it's gonna take a period of adjusting uh, for him. Uh, give him a year um, or so. But it, it, he's fortunate enough that he's not going to a team that's in, a, in the middle of a rebuild or anything. I think Florida already has some very key pieces, and considering if uh, they can play well or get back to the level they were, especially looking at Bobrovsky, um, he's not in a bad position right now. Is He's got to make some upgrades on the blue line and some you know, left and right, but he's already got a very strong foundation, which is honestly going to make his life much easier. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not doing a, like you said, he's not doing a tear it down to the studs. He's got, he's got, he's got the main pieces. It's about getting the guys in around them, which can be very tricky, but it's also the kind of things that a couple of years of good drafting and being smart about your free agents can, can fix relatively quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, whether they're going to keep the guys they have now, as far as free agents, like you were talking about, I, it'll be interesting to see where he thinks they fit in and, and how that's going to go. But, but no, you're right. He's walking into what would be for most people, a really good situation just cause, you're right. You've got some of the foundational pieces. I mean, between Ekblad and, and Barkov, I mean, who, who doesn't want to walk into a situation if you're a, a new GM where you're like, yep, we've got our number one center. We've got our number one D we're, we're, we, we've got that in place. So. I mean, and, and the goalie, cause he really doesn't have a choice about Bobrovsky. Yeah, he's getting he, he can't do anything one. about no, that. <laughs> yeah. You're stuck with Bobrovsky. Which that, uh, that might be, we'll see how that goes. Um, whether that, uh, 
case here was just a, a blip or what it is. I don't know. Uh, Bobrovsky. I mean, there were times in Columbus where there was kind of a, a what's happened, what's going on with him, and he seemed to not be right. But, I mean, for the for the most part, he was normally really solid, very good. Um, he struggled the first couple of times he made the playoffs. Then when we had the year where we beat Tampa, that he, he was really good in that series. But, I mean, goaltending is just such a – it's voodoo. You don't know what's happening in goaltending. It's the, it's one of the reasons when last season people were saying, oh, do we re-sign Bobrovsky? My discussion was, I mean, if you want to give him a bunch of money, that's fine, but he shouldn't get much term because you just never know with goaltending what it's going to be. So I that that's going to be a, a situation they're going to have to be managing for years at this point. Um, honestly, you're – if it was me, what I would be doing is doing what you can to have really good backups and then try and play them almost 50-50 because you just never know. Now, if, and if Poprovsky gets hot, awesome. Ride ride the hot hand as long as you can. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that's going to be a, a thing to manage around for a long time. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, see how they manage that. And, yeah, just back to, like, Bill Zito, Florida, it's such a, a nice fit with him and that creativity – where Florida with their pieces in place and their maybe internal uh, cap they might have, uh, there's so much room to be creative and it's almost necessary to find success. So I think having a guy who knows how to do that, wants to do that, I think will be huge. Yeah. I I mean, the way I would describe the situation he was dealing with in Columbus, and I mean, this isn't that I know somebody who's told me or anything, it's just watching how this team has functioned over the years. I don't think Columbus has an internal cap, but I think the way they've budgeted it is what the salary cap is. That's what we're spending on, on, on the players. It's not, uh, you know, a Toronto situation where, Oh, well, we'll put three guys on the long-term injured reserve and then we'll do this. It's not like they had, they pretty much, I think that was the reason for the Nathan Horton for David Clarkson deal is that they had, you only have this much money to sign people so that you better be actually getting production out of them. So if he's going to a situation where there's an internal cap of some sort, this is the kind of guy you want. Someone who knows how to deal with it, knows how to move around it. Um, and, and again, analytically minded and, and knows, knows the contracts in and out. Cause that'll be, that'll be very important. I mean, especially with looks like most of your defense you've got under contract long-term, but the forward group is where there's a lot of room to play around and mess around with stuff for, for a while. And I mean, some of those guys you'd be able to move in, in trades. So I, I, there's, there's a lot of room there for in different places to work around the edges and, and make some big changes if he wants to do them. So while keeping those main pieces in place. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely be interesting to see how he does. Um, yeah, I think, no, anything else you want to add? Um, not that I can really think of. I mean, I think we're getting we're, we're getting the best option available out there, really, in Bill Zito. Um, I don't think of the guys they interviewed. Um, I can't think of someone I really wanted over Zito, you know, just given everybody's qualifications and everything. Um, I think that this is really the best fit for Florida and for Zito because I know Zito's um, – he's interviewed for other GM uh, uh, jobs in the past. Uh, and, I mean – 
either hasn't gotten them or I don't know if he chose not to take any. Uh, we don't really know that, but uh, I think that this is the right fit and this is the time for him to step up to a GM position. And it's I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like I know he interviewed in uh, Edmonton. He was saying, and he said the interview was like eight and a half hours in like an airport with Bob Nicholson. And he said like he just had such a great time and he learned so much. And that even though he hasn't maybe gotten these, you know, GM positions, like he learns from that interview process. And so I think that will benefit him too, coming into Florida, having that experience and a better feel for other teams in the league and how they operate for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess that, uh, I guess that kind of wraps it up. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Frank. We really appreciate it. Thanks guys. Awesome. Well, really great stuff there from Frank. Uh, before we get back into the podcast, we have a quick promo coming at you guys from the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, and then we'll be back with Jacob Barker. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Bell Piano. Make sure you check out the Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Pork Roll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! All right, awesome stuff. Uh, coming up now. Jacob Barker from Dauber Prospects. Looking forward to having him on. Uh, here is Insight. Always always a pleasure having him on the show. So, uh, Jacob. Hello. Oh. What is going on? Not oh, much, man. my guy. You know, just a week in the recording of a podcast. Yeah, you know, another week, another podcast. That's how it goes, eh? Like, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, you know, it really doesn't, man. It really doesn't. Yeah, man, thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. My <laughs> pleasure. I'm, in, I'm ready to go. Yeah, we've, we've been trying to get more guests on the show, and, you know, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get someone like you on, but uh, yeah, oh. I guess I guess we got lucky. Uh, and, you know, like, if I were you, I'd be looking at getting Mr. Shea on pretty soon, but this guy, he's a, he's a tough guy to sell on it. He's pretty busy. Yeah, he's evasive. Yeah, the guys. Yeah, the guys. What do you mean? His sister's gone. What is he doing if his sister's gone? His parents are still there. That's a problem. You know, this is like all going. (laughs) You guys know it's all going in the show too, right? Like this is recording. No. Oh, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) No, Jared. We love. It's okay. Jared doesn't listen to our show, anyways. That's true. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, we listen to his show, the Blue Line Boys podcast. For anyone out there listening, Blue Wine Boys podcast no longer exists, but it was good stuff. Um, but yeah, so Barksy, last time we had you on, you know, you're a student at Brock University. Now you're now you're a regional scout at Dauber Prospects. Do you think being on this show, do you think that's what led to that? I mean, like, it's got to be, right? Like, you know, shows like this are really a breakthrough for anyone trying to get into the hockey industry. And, like, first time it came on, I 
I was like, wow, this is really going to open some doors. So yeah, like fully on you guys for getting me to where I am right now. And I mean, coming on again, it's, a, it's only, it's only up from here at this point. Yeah. I was re-listening to the last episode you were on and I believe there is a part where you do state that all Scandinavian hockey players are overrated busts. That is, that is very much up for interpretation as to what I actually said. Uh, no, <laughs> I specifically remember. I specifically remember Justin asking you, "Are all Scandinavian players overrated?" And you said, "Yes, I completely agree." I feel like that may not be a direct quote from that episode, but still. That, I believe it is. I believe it is actually a direct quote. Anyone who wants to check that, it's. I'm pretty sure it's the March third episode. So check that one out. Yeah, it's early March. It's. It's, it's it's definitely March third. I definitely did. Sweet. Right before COVID hit. Yeah. Oh, right wow. Well, went down. We had John on too. It was it was a really good episode. Yeah, I'll oh, have to get John back on too. Great episode. I look forward to talking more here about these amazing Scandinavian prospects that we have. In this yeah, episode. I mean, the, yeah, the Panthers love love our Scandinavians. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looking at the off season, Bill Zito now in Florida. I mean, what are you thinking he's going to do in his first? kind of off season at the helm um he's got an interesting job ahead of him like florida's in that stage where like they're they're not really like cup contenders but they're also not in the full-on rebuilding stage like they're just looking to add some pieces to get going uh, they have a lot of money tied up in defense and obviously the Robrovsky contract so he's he's gonna have to get creative with how he how he looks to move like move his team going forward i know one thing he stressed is he just loves Alexander Barkov. I was reading up about that. He, oh, like he, he looks like he's super excited to take on the challenge. Uh, he definitely has a good good resume as an agent and like working in the AHL for the past five or so years. So um, it was a solid hiring. I think he's got a, got a decent task ahead of him. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how he does in that first year. Yeah, and I think it's like you can't even understate the impact that the flat cap is going to have on a team like Florida, like not even having the cap in place, but just the financial constraints even more for a team that doesn't make a ton of money to lose money now. It hurts them so much. Like I don't foresee them spending a ton of money. They'll probably cut money. So Mm -hmm. how do you improve while spending less? What what do you – what do you think the, do? the only like real option that teams have like that is to be looking at your guys on ELCs and just kind of put them into roles that they may or may not be ready for yet. But it's cheaper than going uh, and trying to find other guys. Like you look at guys like Owen Tippett, like he'll probably be in the NHL next year. From what I can see, like with his AHL, he had a good season in the end this past year, good rookie season, almost a point per game. But uh, like a guy like him, like he's, He's a solid player, and he's got a good future ahead of him, and he's on his ELC. He's cheap right now. So, like, that's a guy – that's kind of how you get around this this obstacle where, like, he, you don't have to spend big money on him, but he can get a, he can get a similar job done to someone that you can get in free agency. So, Florida's going to have to get creative with guys like that and just hope that these young guys on cheaper contracts are able to produce and kind of take over the ones that would cost more money in free agency. Yeah, and I think, like, the Panthers, like, they have some good young players. Like, they have Tippett, Denisenko, right? And these guys are good young players who 
even in a normal year, would likely push for, for playing time in the NHL. The big issue for the Panthers has been on defense uh, for the last few years. Not a ton of defensive prospects really pushing. Uh, are there any guys in free agency you look at that might be good value adds who you can bring in for not a ton of money and might produce well above that? Yeah, like the one that I always look at with my sense bias is going to be Dylan DeMello. Like he's he's a cheap ad. I know there's a lot of rumors as to where he's going to go. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to stay in Winnipeg right now, but it looks like he uh, he's a guy you could probably get somewhere in the two to three, $3.5 million range. And like he's a guy that you can kind of just plug and play in a bunch of different scenarios, depending on where you want him. Um, it looks like on Florida's defense, like you'd be looking more like would you prioritize a left-hander or a right-hander? Does it even matter? Is it just like quality on the back end? It looks like. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking, Noah, but I'm thinking, yeah, just anyone who can defend well is mobile and can move the puck. And obviously DeMello fits that description perfectly. But he's a guy, like, if you go on Twitter, like, I think every fan base wants their team to go and get Dylan DeMello because he's seen as, yeah, that type of guy who can come in mm-hmm. for not a lot of money and have an impact. Um, but what are your thoughts, Noah? Um, It's going to be tough. I mean, there's a lot of money tied up in guys such as Mike Matheson that you might want to get rid of. Um, which is going to be impossible. I don't even know when Mike Matheson's contract ends. Twenty twenty six. Yeah, he's pretty much, he's pretty much like, which is a terrible contract. He's definitely not going to get protected in the expansion draft next year. Um, that being I said, I don't think Seattle him. Seattle does not take him. Um, Unless they're really trying to hit that cap for. Yeah, I. They can take Bobrovsky for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have their pickings of just fantastic contracts on the Panthers. <laughs> Either way, I don't think the Panthers could do as poorly in this expansion draft as the last one. 100%. That's a tough look, the last one on them. So uh, hopefully they don't get a Marcheseau-esque guy off, taken off their roster. And Riley Smith and their, and their coach, who Jargon went on to win the um, uh, best coach that year, I think. Jack Adams. Um, Jack Adams. Um, not a great look for the Panthers in that whole situation. So hopefully they've learned from their mistakes and it's going to be better this time around, but who knows? Um, uh, you know, I, I don't see there being much. I, I agree with the whole DeMello thing. Um, I think it's important to have a guy like that, um, you know, just a shutdown D who can, who can easily play, who's, Probably a guy who'd play about 14 to 15 minutes for you on a regular basis, but could play up to 20 minutes in a game. It's really just a very um, mobile guy that you can pretty much stick in any situation. Um, But I think forwards, they're going to have to make a decision. It's going to be Evgeny Danov or Mike Hoffman. What What if it's neither? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I think Hoffman's a huge piece, especially on the power play, which is why I'd want them to keep him. Uh, I think Dadanov is not doing too great recently, so I'd be fine with seeing him go. But 
it's going to be really interesting to see what Bill Zito decides to do because, I mean, they Columbus pretty much showed us that even if you lose three elite first-line guys, that you can still compete and make the playoffs and then beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Which, I mean, playoffs. So what, what you're basically saying here is, like, you don't need to be good to beat the Leafs is basically what, <laughs> what we're going at here. <laughs> it's it's exactly what you're saying. I think that was a pretty well-known point. I mean, the Leafs kind of beat themselves in the playoffs at this point. Um, you just need to, like, know how to play system hockey to beat the Maple Leafs. That's basically what, what it is. Exactly. Yeah, and I think, like, yeah, looking at, like, Hoffman and Dadanov, if you – let's say you sign neither of them, right? And let's say they both get – let's say the average salary for both is, like, $6 million, right? So $12 million. Mm-hmm. Could you not – if you – let's say you say, okay, Owen Tippett, you're in the top six. Then you could probably sign with $6 million one or two guys that could do close enough of a job and save money. Like, there's a couple of guys out there offensively that I think would be really nice ads for cheap. One that comes to mind is actually a former Leaf in Josh Levo, who has not played a ton, but he has produced enough that, yeah, he's not going to be a Hoffman or a Dadnov. But if you're to get him at, like, two mil, you know, yeah. and you can spend on your D, that might be uh, a type of guy they would look at or if they want to emulate kind of the Columbus, like, work ethic, they could look at, like, Joachim Nordstrom as a bottom six guy, a guy that's just going to work and try to build that. Um, I hear Brandon Leipzig's available. Um, mm. Culture guy right there. <laughs> just glue in the locker room. Um, but I, I, I don't think you can even, like – start to replace either guy with Josh Levo. I think you need to pay a little more if you want increased pro- uh, production. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. I'd have to take a look at who's yeah, a bit, I'll pull, who's I'll pull, I'll pull up a list right now. I got a, I'll pull up free agent wingers. I'll read you some names. Uh, the thing for me is like, obviously, ideally you spend more money, you keep these guys. I just, I don't know if the team is going to be willing to spend that kind of money with everything that's happened over the last few months. Both guys are above, are over 30. So. All right, ready? I'm okay. going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to read you some left wings here. All right. Taylor Hall. I think it's fair to say they're not oh. getting Taylor Hall. I wouldn't want Taylor Hall. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only, like, guy out there. But if I'm any team, there's no way I, like, shell out a huge contract for that guy. I think I like Taylor Hall at the right price. For sure, as with any guy. But he's going to get overpaid. Well, it's free I think agency. that's just... The thing is, is he It's free agency. Over, but is he going to get overpaid? It is free agency, but it is a flat cap year. So, does, like... Anything over $9 million, anything over probably $8.5 million is overpaid. I don't know if he's going to get... Hall, I, don't, I, I honestly don't think he's going to get that, to be honest. Really? He's... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona was offering that. But a big well, thing I, for him is he wants to win. Yeah. So if you're Taylor Hall, like someone pays you $8 million to play for a contender, that's relatively fair value and you're going to probably find success. And I agree. $8 million is a great price point for a guy like Taylor Hall, but it's all going to come up, be up to him. Is he going to, is that going to be enough for him? 
I, I honestly think it will, to be honest. Like, for a guy like that who has not had many shots at winning, if you can take a million less a year, and you don't have to take a long contract, if you take a two- or three-year deal, you say, what, I can cash in again, and I can go try to win, kind of like what Marion Hosa did, uh, you know, once he left, you know, Ottawa and Atlanta and then just became, you know, Marion Hosa going around trying to win a cup, coming close, <laughs> falling short, three straight finals. Um, so he was on he was on Pittsburgh that first year when they lost to Detroit, and then, and then he was switched over to Detroit, and then they lost. And then he finally got um, it with Chicago. Yeah, good for him. And then, I mean, unfortunate end to his career, but yeah, he was definitely on a quest to win a cup, but he he got it in the end. So, but yeah, well, like after that, like looking at wingers, like if you eliminate Dadnov, Hoffman, Taylor Hall, then we got like, you know. They could bring Derek Broussard because, you know, Panther legendary player. Florida Panther. Yeah. One of the all-time greats. I'm sure we'll be seeing his number 10 in the rafters very shortly. Uh, after that, it is uh, in his prime 37-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk, who, to be honest, like, if you just put him in Hoffman's spot on the power play, he could probably do that about as good as Hoffman, just stand and shoot. Because that's what Hoffman Def- I definitely play. think Kolchuk's going to be back in the league next year. Um, I just don't know what price point. Anything over $1.5 million for that guy, I think, is overpaid. Um, and from what I was hearing when he was trying to negotiate a deal with Montreal, is he wanted upwards of three. So we'll see. I think it's, it's going to be up to him to kind of give up something. Um, but you look at, you look at, the Panthers farm system and they just re- they just signed uh Denisenko who fingers crossed is going to make the NHL roster next year um I wouldn't be surprised if he could get a top six role in that team yeah like if I was if I was the Panthers and we're obviously not but I would say okay we got Tippett and Denisenko the plan is we hope that they can play in the top six but we need to have at least somewhat of a safety net in case for some reason, they're hurt or they can't do it, right? They're just not ready. And that's why you have Cliff Poo. Cliff Poo. He's fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he kind of split his – he's been splitting his time between AHL and ECHL. It's hasn't been going great. Um, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I think they'd be in real trouble if they were banking on Cliff Poo in the top six <laughs> next year. <laughs> or um, Alexi Haponiemi. Yeah, Alexi Haponiemi needs to put on like eighty-five pounds. You know, and just become an absolute horse. But, and then like you look at right wings, we got like Tyler Toffoli's a nice name, but he's going to get paid. Vlad Nemestikov's. Solid. Craig Smith. Jesper Fast probably re-signs. Corey Perry can't skate. There's no way I'd want to, I, I hate Corey Perry. If it came, if it was a coin flip between Corey Perry and Cliff Poo, I'm taking Cliff Poo all day. <laughs> I don't mind the thought of uh, Nemestikov either. Like, from what I've seen with him, even in the Colorado series, like, everywhere he's kind of been, he's a decent guy to just kind of like fill that role right that's needed like the second third even fourth line depending on what he needs like when we talk about like this a safety net guy like if you for for Tippett and for 
uh, Denisenko. Like, that's a guy that, like, if push came to shove, he could fill those minutes. He wouldn't be amazing, but he's he's capable of playing with those top guys. So it's an option that they could do as well. Does he play on the wing? Because yeah, I know he's he a can. center by trade. Yeah, you can. Yeah, he okay. plays on the wing at all. Exactly. Okay. You can literally play Vlad Nemestikov anywhere, and he's gonna be like a forty point two a guy with some like grit. And I think mm. any team so, would want. So that. he's like, he's like a worse Mark Pissick. No, it's definitely a better Mark. <laughs> no, I, I'm Mark excited Pissick. to see if man, legendary. Def- I I don't even know if he's gonna get re-signed, but. Yeah, he, he pretty much split his time between defense and offense this year. I mean, he had the hat trick against the Leafs. So, that, that's that's about the extent of his season. It was just Exactly. For one night, he was just the best player on the planet. <laughs> but there's also, you know, a lot, like a lot of talk about Dadnov and Hoffman, but there's also Brian Boyle, who's a, who's a UFA as well. You know... Eric Hall is a UFA on the team as well, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a guy that would potentially look to bring back on a cheaper deal, or do you think he's going to go money chasing or want, want a new change? I mean, I, I don't I, think he's going money chasing. But could be cup chasing then, or like he's still got a lot of time left in his career. Like he could. He's twenty nine. Yeah, he could be a guy that you look at and you can you could sign him for maybe less. Like, I don't know if he'd take less, but like he's. 2.75 right now. Like, that's a pretty solid deal for a guy that could play in your middle six. Pretty consistently. Yeah, yeah like, I, I love Eric Hall and the idea of bringing him back. But whether they do or they don't, who knows? And there's Lucas Walmark, who's also – I think he's restricted or unrestricted. Uh, I think he's restricted. He's an RFA. He's an RFA. That wouldn't so, be bad. Like, he, if you keep him around – like, there is some depth. It's not, like, crazy. Like, you'd be looking for guys. Like, I, I think Nemestikov would be a great fit somewhere in there just to add a little bit more depth and and a little bit of a safety net for Denisenko and Tippett. But, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of options that they'll have in this upcoming offseason. Yeah. What about, what about trades? Do you see any matches with anyone? Not really. Like, they, they have a lot – like, when I look at these guys – like defensively, they just have these big contracts that, that don't really appeal to me. Like when I look at that, like maybe they can. I I don't even want to say they can offload it. Maybe like Leafs fans are always talking about the possibility of Aaron Eckblad going to them. So let's play the hypotheticals here. Like what? Well, like I I personally don't see the problem. Like the reason why the Panthers would even consider that because. Like, who else is going to play defense? <laughs> I think that's a three-team trade where um, Aaron Ekblad, mm-hmm. Andrew Doughty ended up on the Leafs roster. For, uh, who, who they usually like to see. Nick Patan yeah, and Johnson, Andres Janssen. Uh, who's one that they, they like? Martin Marincin. Well, <laughs> and if that were the case, too, yeah, it's... Florida, Florida probably has to retain salary so the Leafs can sign Petrangelo, right? Yeah. <laughs> We rip on the Leafs a lot. <laughs> I mean, big Kyle Dubas guy. I have faith he won't do it. But Leafs media has a whole other problem. <laughs> yeah. No, to me, like, the Panthers defense is just, like, a bunch of, like, fine defensemen who just don't play well together at all. 
Yeah, like overpaid Mike guys. That just... Contract. I can't get over that. Holy cow! It <laughs> almost makes the Bobrovsky contract look half I mean, decent, eh? Yeah, like this guy's getting paid almost five million dollars until twenty twenty six. Strawman's contract no, is not, not much better. better. No, it really is. It's really the bad. The only thing that actually. makes it look better is it expires in 2022 instead of 2026, but it's still like a lot of money for a guy that's 34 and not producing at all. <laughs> yeah, like Strawman's contract's brutal, but it's surrounded by worse contracts. You look at it, it's like, oh, it's, it's not terrible. <laughs> look at that. It's, it's look- almost a bargain. <laughs> Just going through all of them, and you're like, this is not great. This is not great. <laughs> like, <laughs> not a lot of this is very good. Yeah, like when we had you on last time, we were going over the, the Panthers' like calf situation, and you have Barkov and Huberto on such great deals, and then they've just given out awful ones around them. Like when you've got your two guys signed for – like your two main cornerstone guys signed for like, – well, even like if you look at just what the forwards are making compared to the defense, it's like a $6 million difference between yeah, it's... the 12 12- – forwards and the sixth defense (laughs) not good and it's not like your defense are like out of this world better than your forwards like it would make sense on some teams but like the fact that your 12 forwards are only getting paid six million dollars more than your six defensemen is is not a not a good situation that you want to be in no definitely not it's uh and then there's the whole construction what do you think has to happen in terms of goalies? Do you think – I mean, obviously, Bobrovsky can't go anywhere because he's signed to that fantastic contract. Exactly. Um, it's going to look great when he bounces back next year. What, what, what do we see What do we see on, on the backup side of things? Do, do you think that they'll stick with Chris Drieger, who's legendary Ottawa Senators? Mm, yeah, my guy Chris Drieger. Um, at Come least on. for one more year. You, you got him for – you got him until 2021, so at least for one more. I don't see like the reason why you would part ways with him early. Um, right now, he's fine. And then you hope – so when you look at Spencer Knight, obviously, like he's he had a great year in college. So you're hoping he's got at least one more in him in the college system. It'll kind of depend on what his plan is, like education-wise. I assume he'll make the jump to pro earlier, like sooner rather than later. So maybe after next year, he goes to the A. I haven't read up on him, but if there is no hockey season, I wonder if he goes to the USHL because guys can play there without losing a year of eligibility, um, which would really be interesting in itself. Um, I know the Canadians uh, and Cole Caulfield, that pretty much the plan is that he will not even touch juniors, um, that he's hoping for a college season and if there's no college season the the best case scenario for him would be just to sign the contract with the Habs and then um and then just train with them um I don't know about Spencer Knight just because he's a goalie uh it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there but I fully expect him to be in the AHL um not this upcoming season but the one after yeah so when that happens like you give him a year or two, like I'd probably give him two years or maybe in a second year, he can start to hop up to the NHL a little bit more as a backup, maybe get a few games in. And then at what point, like it, the Bobrovsky contract has never really made, like the Bobrovsky night thing has never really made sense to me. Like 
just because like Knight's gonna be ready before the Bobrovsky contract expires. So you're gonna have this guy. Like I, I'm personally not like I'm not. If I'm an NHL GM on any other team, I'm not taking this guy for ten million dollars when he's gonna be like thirty five. Yeah, and we gotta we gotta remember that they drafted Knight before they signed Bobrovsky. Yeah, like, and they traded for that pick, I think, with Arizona. Did they Is trade that, up? I can't remember. I I think Arizona and Philly might have traded or something, and I Arizona, thought Arizona Arizona and Philly swapped so uh, Arizona could get Soderstrom, and then Philly took Cam York. Right, and I thought at the time that Arizona was trading up to get night yeah but he kind of just slipped and then he was all panthers um that Bobrovsky contract never really made sense to me in that case but i i really don't understand the logic behind it like when you have this guy coming up and just the term is the big thing like the the fact that he's there for until 2026 on that contract like spencer knight will be ready hopefully by 2022 23 in which case you're paying Sergey Borowski 10 million dollars to sit on the bench they'll probably split starts yeah and like at that point that's a very expensive 1b or it's 1A like goalie. how much how much was Brian Elliott getting paid when I can look because they they got Carter Hart well they resigned him right so to be a backup pretty much he was like a yeah Two million this year, and then he's a UFA this year. See, that's that's the thing too. Like with this upcoming season, like, hey, Bobrovsky, bad year, and he's getting older, and he's had injuries, and like the next season, the schedule is going to be compressed. There's going to be more back to backs. You're going to need at least two guys going mm-hmm. right. Like, as good as Chris Drieger was this year, I think if you play Chris Drieger thirty or forty games you know, it's not going to work. You have to upgrade there. And so you got to spend even more money on your net, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're pushing, and you know. I wonder if Montreal. Henrik Lundqvist wants to take a small, um, a small pay, ch- a pay cut and come play in Florida. Um, he's a guy that I could easily see step into that role and maybe split starts with Bobrovsky because on a maybe two-year contract. And then you're kind of just setting up the spot for Knight to take over in three years. Yeah. But, but we see we see what Montreal did in this offseason is they're paying fifteen million for goalies next year. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot. A lot more than anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. So I mean granted they, they they got a very fair price for Jake Allen, I think. And I I don't know what St. Louis is thinking because Bennington was not good in the playoffs. I think St. Louis is thinking, boy, we got to clear some money for, for Petrangelo. Yeah. That's the other thing from Montreal's perspective. It's like, Hey, we'll get this overpaid goalie, but we have the cap. So it doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. He's only, he's only got one year left. So that's fine. It's irrelevant. Almost. It's a write up. Exactly. The actual money. We have the cap space and with help St. Louis clear some cap space to decrease Petrangelo's chances of maybe going to Toronto, a division rival. So it's actually like, is Mark Bergevin just on another level? Like maybe not, but like maybe he's playing the he's playing the analytics here. He's playing the whole like he's second, playing chess. Third. Yeah. Else playing checkers right now. Yeah, he's, 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 he's thinking two to three. 
He's thinking two to three moves ahead of everyone. <laughs> he was probably asking for Steen back in that deal too, just add more. <laughs> oh man, it'll be it's gonna be a weird off season, man. Very weird. Um, lots of goalies are gonna be changing destinations, so that's gonna be really weird. Um, I hopefully I don't think resigns in Washington. No so chance. That's, exactly. that's gonna that's yeah. gonna be a. That's going to be a shock. He's fully out. People are trying to decide where he's going to go, and I have no idea. All right, ready? I'm going to throw up my prediction with absolutely no research on anything right now. Off the dome, <laughs> Calgary Flames. I, I, I'd say Defend. Calgary or Edmonton, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's from Lloydminster. That's right on the border there. I mean. Saskatchewan. Is he from Saskatchewan or Manitoba? He's from Lloydminster, which is the border town between Alberta and Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. Because on his forearm, he has a tattoo of, like, Alberta and Saskatchewan in the border. It's a whole thing. Um, How much do you guys think goalies are going to be going for this offseason? Like, you got Holpe there. You got Leonard there. You got a couple trade options, like Matt Murray's name being tossed around. Like, what do you think? Are you, do you think they're going to go up in price? Or? Leonard's definitely going to be the most paid goalie out of this offseason. I think the price starts off not too bad for a lot. Like for the guys who are being traded, like if I'm if I'm thinking about moving Matt Murray, I'm waiting till after free agency for sure, because everybody's mm-hmm. going to want these top goalies and the team that's left without a seat at the table. That's who's going to give you the most. So I'm not I'm not really doing anything till then. But you have a lot of guys, Leonard. Like does Vancouver bring back Markstrom now, after what Thatcher Demko just did? Highly unlikely in my mind. Like I think Markstrom's on the move. And they have. I don't know where Di Pietro is in his um, development. I think he could back up. He's the best. Love Mikey Di Pietro. And like worst comes to worst, you can find a cheap backup for not like, and and they'll get the job done. Thatcher's a starting goalie. Yeah, like if you're Vancouver, like why are you like you're in cap? You have cap problems already because you're paying Louis Erickson, you're paying Tyler Myers, you're paying Brandon Sutter. Do you really want to spend, like, how can you justify spending 8 mil on a net when you have Thatcher Demko right there? I mean, it, it's crazy to think that this all basically happened in the span of three playoff games. The, 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 the future of goaltending went from Markstrom to Demko that fast mm. in Vancouver. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. This, I think this least, series kind of just settled it. Yeah, I think least likely to move at this point just because of what happened with Markstrom, is probably Corey Crawford. I think Corey Crawford stays in Chicago. I don't think there's much debate about that. He's Yeah, he won't have too much left in his career, so he's probably just looking for... And he played well. He played yeah. well in these playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was solid. Like, I mean, the Chicago team was never destined to be, like, unbelievable, right? So he, he did what he had to do on that end, and they kind of bowed when they were supposed to, with the exception of beating Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you'd asked me before the playoffs, like, if Jacob Markstrom was going to be, like, if he was going anywhere other than Vancouver, I would have said no shot. You did. I'm pretty sure we, we, we've been talking about goalies for weeks now, and I... Yeah, there's not much going on. We can't talk about this. I remember you saying, I remember you saying that Markstrom was not going to move from Vancouver, and then just in the span of literally a week... The whole take is completely rethought. Well, because your options, your options are either re-sign Markstrom, lose either Markstrom, spend eight million dollars on Markstrom, 
destroy your cap, but then lose one of him, and then lose Demko to Seattle in expansion. Or you can just let Markstrom walk, which sucks because you know he's got good value. And then you just ride Demko. And the other thing too is you talk about trading guys' rights is that there's no UFA negotiating period this year. Usually there's a week there where you can negotiate. There is no window but this year. Is it? I, I thought that was that might have been like a the, something they were renegotiating in the CBA. Um, I, I, I thought I thought there was something about that that uh, that was just going to get eliminated. Uh, maybe I. I could I, be wrong. I could be wrong. I just remember hearing something about it. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So if yeah, if, the, if there's no window, then all of a sudden rights to guys the value of that goes up quite significantly. Usually it's like, oh, late pick. You know, mm-hmm. now if it's like to have a week to convince Markstrom to sign with us, you know, and we need a goalie, like are you giving up a fourth even? Like what does mm-hmm. that value do? It'll be interesting. Well, the big um, thing, they do have Louis Domain on contract. So in my mind, he's a he's fine for a backup. Like if Thatcher runs the crease and then Louis Domain there, like, okay, he's technically a UFA this year, but you can re-sign Deming for way cheaper than you can for Markstrom, and then you have your backup, and then you don't have to worry as much about the cap. But Deming hasn't been that good. No, he's not, but like, he's a backup. He was in good in mind. Tampa. He was good in Tampa. Um, was good in Tampa. Then, then New Jersey was just horrifying. But it's New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, what do you want from the guy? I mean, he wasn't that – he. He played one game for Vancouver, so, but I mean, did not do well in that game. He was all over the place this year, like, yeah, everywhere. And yeah, so hopefully he can, once he's kind of settled in, like, if you re sign him, like, hopefully with between him and Mikey DiPietro, you can find your backup in there for relatively cheap and then let Thatch go and run the crease. Yeah, and just going back to the Panthers here, like I'm looking at the the UFA goalies here, and if you're looking at a guy to to be your backup, I think one name that might be potentially interesting would be Aaron Dell, who's UFA, San Jose. San Jose was awful defensively this year. He finished with San Jose has. They have a lot to figure out on 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 their back end. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So their, yeah. Their, their defense was brutal this year, and Aaron Dell finished with a nine oh seven, significantly higher than uh, Jones Martin Jones save percentage, and he's only thirty one. I mean, Martin Jones is getting bought out. Is is that still happening? Who knows? You want to talk, he's... man? If if not, maybe Martin Jones from Mike Matheson. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the worst trade ever. Both 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 contracts are terrible. Yeah, and I mean, if Montreal can spend, you know, fourteen million, fifteen million on their crease, why can't Florida say we'll, we'll spend sixteen? How about that? Oh, Martin Jones has that lovely no move clause as well, just <laughs> right into that contract. Those no moves, oh, they're brutal. They're they're killers. See, I could, but I could see, I could see Florida going after a guy like Brian Elliott. Yeah, a veteran type guy. Yeah. Yeah, there's so there's so many options. You know, maybe playoff hero Michael Hutchinson. I mean, oh, sure, the sa- the sample size is like three games, but I mean, pretty good. 
<laughs> he was okay. He would cost you like almost nothing. Yeah. That's like in that if, if they end up signing Michael Hutchins, that's a clear sign that they don't want to spend money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, that point again. is like, what's what's the main difference between him and Chris Krieger at that point? Like, you might as well just keep. Uh, uh, Hutch catches right. Ah, you know you game uh, changer. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that could be a game changer for the Panthers. Oh, definitely. A backup goalie. The <laughs> what the team was missing. The final piece. Oh, for sure. Um, but but moving on here, Barksy, your your main thing this year has been the draft. You've been dialed in on the 2020 draft, tweeting about it all the time. You know, very mm-hmm. strong opinions about guys. Who do you see? Oh, yeah. Who who do you like for the Panthers in that first round? Actually, no wait. Break down some of those first round type guys. What you think, and then who you think is going to be the best fit for the Panthers? Uh, so the Panthers are at 12. So that's an interesting spot because they're in my mind. So I would I would say when I look at their prospect depth, I would say you should stag a defenseman because they don't have any basically coming up the prospect like in the prospect pool. So I would say grab one, but it's they're in that spot where I don't think that like unless Jake Sanderson falls to twelve, I or don't. Or Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, it, unless a defenseman between those two, most likely Jake Sanderson, falls to 12, I don't think there's another defenseman in that range that makes sense for them. So at which point I'd be looking at adding to your forward pool. Like there's a lot of talented forwards, and there's always guys that drop out of the top 10 that should be in there. So like even a guy – like if a guy like Holtz falls – like, I, I'd be, like, snagging them immediately. If a guy like Anton Lindell falls, that's an immediate snag. Like, those those guys, I wouldn't even hesitate with them. Anton Lindell might be, like, and I fully don't expect him to be there at 12, but he might be the perfect player for Florida to take. Yeah. Like, a finished center to learn under, like, Alexander Barkov. I mean, mm-hmm. couldn't ask for a better fit if you're going, if forward's the way you're going. For sure. Like, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Oh, and like you're look, looking at the defense there. Like, obviously, you fully expect uh, Sanderson and Drysdale to be gone by 12. And mm-hmm. then you kind of look at that next group of D where you have Braden Schneider, Katie uh, uh, Gooley, you have Emil Andre, Jeremy Poirier, right? All those kind of guys in there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, like Ford is kind of in that spot where they're like, there is no D projected in that range, you know, which is what they really need. Um, could you see them potentially mm-hmm. trading down then to maybe nab another pick and then grab one of those D? Yeah, maybe. Like the like I as a Ottawa Senators fan, I'm always looking at the possibility that they try to move up because they have the four second round picks. The problem is the Islanders by winning last night bumped our first and our second significantly down so when we were at 22 i would have said that's a that's a possibility ottawa would probably have to pay a little bit more because that is a pretty drastic drop for the for the pandas if you go to 12 to 22 you'd probably be looking at like 22 plus our earliest second plus maybe even another prospect but yeah i could see them trading down like there's options 
that you can do for sure. Like the Devils have picks 18 and 20 right now. So maybe you can convince them to hop up with one of those and then see, see what you have in terms of options there. Because when you get to 18, 20, then, yeah, I, I would start looking at your your Schneiders, your Gooley. Um, even, like, Helga Grons is a good pick there. William Wallinder would be a bit of a reach. But, like, those those guys, that's kind of the range that I'd be looking at for them. But if you're looking to hold on to the pick, um, guys that fit, yeah, if, if Lundell falls, it's absolutely perfect. But then if you're looking for, like, I are, are, you, are you thinking, like, I'd probably look to add a center correct like i you got a decent amount of wing depth in your prospect pool like, i'd be looking for a center what do you guys think yeah like with the trade of like vinnie trochuk like if you can get a guy you can you know pan out to be your second line center behind barkov i think is where you look you could also <laughs> look at a guy like if, if jack quinn's there and you want goals that mm-hmm. might be a, a way to go uh of the centers mm-hmm. there though who do you like uh well when i look at like guys that would fit into that two C role, like maybe even like a Dylan, a Dylan Holloway or a Connor Zari. Like both of them, like they aren't incredibly flashy players, but they're they're good, projectable two Cs. Like they they go both ways. They they do what they have to do on both ends, and they're they're solid. So I'd be looking at those guys. Um, like that's that's probably who I'd be taking. Even like a guy like Maverick Bork has skyrocketed up the rankings lately a ton of offensive like weaponry in his game as well. So like that's a guy that if you want to go like offense with your two C, like that, that is an option. It'd be a bit of a reach at twelve, but I wouldn't say it's completely out of range. Um but also like Jack Quinn's a great option for them. A goal scorer, add him to the second line. Like he he'd be good. I love Noel Gunler. I think he fits right into that same categories like Jack Quinn and those kind of guys. A lot of people don't like him. I don't buy it. They think he's got attitude issues. I don't see that. I don't see the evidence. I don't see it, but that's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of options they have, but yeah, in terms of centers, I'd be looking at either Zari or Dylan, Dylan Holloway in that case. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I agree with you on Noel Gunn. I, I love the guy too. I think you know he's got such a high offensive ceiling. Like, if you were to th- if you were to say he's like a, a top ten you know skill and ability guy in this draft, I would I would say yeah, probably to be honest. Mm-hmm. But you know for whatever you know the reasons are, he's ranked a bit lower. Um, of that like group of deal that we talked about, who do you think's the mm-hmm. best fit? Can you give us kind of analysis on a, a couple of guys there? Yeah. Um... So, yeah, kind of I'll start with Braden Schneider because he's the one that's kind of skyrocketed up the rankings, and we all know why. It's because the Maple Leafs acquired the 15th pick and they need an RHD. So, naturally, let's find the first one on the list and hype him up past his worth. So, he, of course, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, next Shea Weber, I heard, actually. Yeah, I think he's more like the next downright average second to third line right-handed defenseman <laughs> you, know what, you know what he kind of reminds me of is i was watching him play the other day like just watching some video and i was like this guy looks like a right shot griffin reinhardt like yeah like he? he he's like don't get me wrong i think he's a good defenseman and like he does a, his game is very, very mature but it's because he's he is older and yeah. he's a little bit more like physically built, like 6'2", 209. Like he, he's a built guy. He doesn't have to really grow into his body. So he, he's got a more mature game. I just don't see much upside 
Like, I don't, I don't see him getting much better than he is right now. And right now, he's going to slot in on someone's second or third pairing. And, and, like, he doesn't need much more time to get to the NHL. Like, yeah. he'll probably be there within the next year. But, like, is he going to – is he a first-line pairing? Is he Morgan Riley's next future partner? Absolutely not. Like, that's it's not even close. <laughs> like, he's not that kind of guy. So, like, he could be a decent fit for Florida if he's going to play behind Ekblad kind of thing. Like, that. that's a decent fit. I, like – it depends on what you want. Like, are you thinking like Florida needs like an offensive defenseman in that case? Or do you think they should just get a shutdown guy, like a solid top four? I think he's closer to the type of D they would want. I agree with like Braden Schneider. Like you take Braden Schneider because you think he's going to be ready soon, but he's not going to have the highest ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, looking if, at, if you're trying to maximize Barkov and Huberto's window, mm-hmm. then maybe you go Braden Schneider. Mm-hmm. I just, I wouldn't do it at 12. Like no, I, I would for sure trade it, down. Yeah, I I would definitely not do it at twelve. Um, if you're if you're looking for an offensive guy, like maybe Helga Granz, even like William Wallander, like he's gonna take a little bit longer, but he does have a ton of, yeah, like a really strong offensive player that skates really well. So like that's a guy that maybe you give him three four years. Like it's tough with Barkov and Huberto's window to think about but like setting yourself up long term that's not bad even Caden Gooley wouldn't be bad slot him in on the left side he's he's gonna be ready relatively quick as well not as quick as Braden Schneider in my mind but he should be NHL ready in a couple years as well so like they, they got some options there but I I wouldn't take any of them at 12 they don't I think no. they'd all be straight downs yeah like you yeah looking like Caden Gooley like that's a guy to me like he's a great he's a big guy great skater I don't know if the mm-hmm. offense is going to be there, but he's going to be a guy that's going to play for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, he'll just make, you know, simple plays, whatever. He'll get it done. But I agree he's going to be a little ways away. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple other more dynamic guys. Like, there's Jeremy Poirier, who's a very controversial prospect. Some guys really like him. Some guys do not. Where do you fall on that? Uh I love Jeremy Poirier. I, t- I tweeted this out um, a while ago. He is so much fun to watch offensively. He is so skilled. His skating is good, but like the puck skills I see on this guy is unbelievable. The problem is he is so like for a defenseman to be that bad defensively is like shocking. Like it's, it's shocking. He's made it this far, and no one's told him like, "Man, you're a forward." Yeah, like, I, if there's anyone I would say, like, should just switch positions, like, I would say Jeremy Poirier, go up and play <laughs> on the wing. But so you he, see him as, like, a Mark Pissick type. Like, I, I think that he, like, I still would like to keep him defensively. The one thing is, like, I remember I was reading up on uh, what the Sea Dogs did with Thomas Shabbat, because he plays in Sea Dogs, same organization. Yeah. So I look at that, and the the big concern around Shabbat as well in his draft year was that he struggled defensively as well. And what the Sea Dogs did to counter that is they health bombed him for a couple of games in his draft eligible and his D plus one year. They would give him a healthy scratch and say, until you buy in defensively, like you you're not going to play. And Shabbat took that to heart and actually like worked on his defensive game, took a little bit more responsibility. Um, will the same message get to Poirier, like? Maybe, maybe not. Shabbat wasn't as big of a concern as Poirier is in that case. But 
like it, it comes down to character at that point and if he's willing to buy in like it, he is playing junior hockey right now and it's tough to tell like how much like the Q's a high scoring league it's there's not a lot of defense to be played anyways so like it's it's tough to tell like whether he like if he can't play defense or if he won't play defense just based on what what's going on so i'd say this upcoming year will be big for him, but like if I'm an NHL team drafting him, I would say like I'm I want to take you with this pick, but you need to be working on your defense. Like I know you have the offensive ability, but if you're a defenseman, you need to be better, especially at the next level. So it comes down to the conversation of whether he buys in, but would be like would be a very interesting pick. Could go in the first round, or he could really drop depending on how his interviews go. In my mind, yeah, definitely. Less so a type of defenseman Florida would want, but a very interesting guy. Like, mm-hmm. you watch him play, he literally looks like Thomas Shabbat out there when he has the ball. Oh, yeah. Like, it's – and, like, yeah, he's he's unbelievable. It'll be very interesting to see oh, yeah. what the Panthers do there. Such a deep draft this year. I Incredibly mean, deep. Yeah. What like, have they got for the second rounders? Like, do they have other um, – they've got their own and then – is that it? Uh, yeah, they have their own second rounder. They have two thirds. They have Colorado's third. Okay. When you look at the second, like if you look to add to the depth pool, like maybe you look at adding your high end forward with that 12. And then at 44, you look and you try to take your reach of a defense, or like it's a defenseman that may drop. Like right now, they're slotted to take a guy like Willie Will, uh, Villanueva, so Poirier's partner is more defensively sound partner, even guys. But, so he'll be available. Uh, Yoni Yurmo, like the, these guys can be available. If you really want to take a risk, Shakir Mukamadulin should be around at that point. That was excellent Super- pronunciation, by the way. Yeah. He's uh, he's an interesting guy. <laughs> he's uh, makes about one good play for every four bad plays that I see, but if he can kind of show so, so, up, yeah, one step forward, four <laughs> steps back. Yeah, that's essentially what I see. Yonkis Netsov wouldn't be a bad pick at that point. He's pretty safe. The guy from the Sioux Falls in the USHL, he he wouldn't be bad. Like, it, there's options, too. Like, they could go with, like, a bit of a more, like, a project of a defenseman at that point and then just take your take best guy available with the exception of Askarov at 12. Yeah, you're thinking they should stay away from Askarov? You know what? I think so. <laughs> Unless they want to have like a dynamic goalie trio of Bobrovsky, Knight, and Askarov just rotating every every game. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't see I don't see I don't even see Askarov being there at twelve to be honest. It'll it'll depend on need. I'm seeing like there's rumors of Minnesota's looking at him at nine. Like And then after Carolina could look at him at That'd be 13. a pretty good fit. Yeah. Like that's probably he probably won't be there at 12, but if he's there, then I, I would still very much pass on him and <laughs> yeah. see how far he falls. Yeah I, got, yeah, I think at 12, like, you either either make the pick, you take best guy available, or, or you trade down, grab a D, or, you know, grab one later. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, it'll be yeah. yeah, like I said, like, they're, they're in that spot, like, right after the top 10, and you know someone's going to fall out of it. So, like, they will have an opportunity to kind of snag whoever falls. Even the guy, like, like Seth Jarvis keeps flying up 
rankings. Like that's another option if they really wanted to go high end forward. Like there's there's a lot of guys that will be available at 12 that are very, very strong. So yeah, the Panthers can kind of just take who whoever falls at that point. And I, I'd be okay with that by as the Panthers. Yeah, and I mean and for Bill Zito coming in, like he's trusting a lot of scouts that he doesn't know particularly well. Mm-hmm. So it, it you know, trading down to me seems like you have to have more connection, a better understanding of your scouts. If mm-hmm. you really feel like there's a good guy you can get later and you want to add that extra pick, I don't I don't know with this group if he'll do that at least this year just being so new to the job. Yeah. It's it's kind of like I yeah, it's definitely safer for him at this point to just take whoever falls and just trust that unless the scouts are like hard set on a guy then like maybe you trust him for a year and see like if it, if it starts to pan out then it's good. I don't think he's going to make any like drastic changes to his scouting team or anything right away. So we'll see kind of how it goes, but it's a big draft for them. They could get they could get a really good piece at 12. Yeah, it's Yeah, there's so many great players in this draft. Very exciting. Uh to see which way they go with it. Do you have anything else you want to add, Noah? No, pretty much everything is covered, I think, in terms of draft. Um, Definitely don't think Askarov is a good decision uh, if you're the Florida Panthers, but who knows. Um, I I like to fit in Minnesota for him just because I've never been a huge Alex Stalock guy, and Dubnik can be a little unreliable at times. So be but I'd, I'd be happy with Bill Zito going with best available player. Yeah. Like for me, that, that's all I need. I, I don't think that you can really draft a D at 12. that's going to be franchise changing. Yeah. Um, one other thing with Bill Zito, we're just talking about familiarity. Um, Florida's current head of uh, European amateur scouting is uh, Yari Kekalainen, who is Yarmo Kekalainen's brother. So there might be some trust there. You could, you know, potentially maybe they look European uh, for a lot of their picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I know, Barks, you obviously think they're all overrated, but. Uh, uh, no, I, I would never say that about Noel Gunner. Noel, <laughs> Noel Gunner's in the show before anyone else at that range. In the show, and then he gets scratched and then gets sent back to Sweden, requests a trade. It's the whole Yessi Pugliarvi mess. <laughs> I mean, Yessi Pugliarvi, Elias Anderson, Julius Honka, there's a lot of different names you could throw in there. Oh, yeah. The list just goes. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's it from us. Uh, thanks for coming on today, Barksy. Oh, no worries. We, it's my pleasure. We, we appreciate the insight. Good to have uh, another point of view, another opinion on the show. Um, and, that does it for uh, that, that does it for this episode. Thank you to everyone tuning in. We'll be back next week with another episode. We were going to do a mailbag this episode. We never ended up doing that. We'll do it next week unless we find another incredible guest. Uh, but until then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week.
right center, Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net. Barkov between the legs. Unbelievable. Did you just do that, Alexander Barkov? The Panthers are back.